Welcome back. How we doing, Giants fans? It's the first video for me in the offseason, so it's kind of sad, but I guess every team does have the offseason eventually. I was just hoping that ours would be in uh, mid-February, not now, but it is what it is. Um, all right, so today we're going to talk about the press conference that Joe Shane and Brian Dable had. I will talk about some of the takeaways I had. They didn't reveal too much. They revealed a little bit, and I'll kind of touch on that, kind of speculate. And in the second half of this video, I'm going to talk about a Colin Cowherd clip talking about Daniel Jones and making an analogy about him. And I saw some other people react to it. I'm going to react to this myself. So here we are. So I'm going to react to that and uh, interject, interrupt when I feel the need to. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like always helps out and let's get into it. All right. So my reaction to what they said today, mostly Joe Shane. I mean, Brian Dable, we hear from every week, but of course, when the GM speaks, it's pretty important, especially in an off season like this, where it's like some big decisions have to be made. So he did admit to talking to Saquon Barkley and Julian Love during the bye week for contract extensions. Um, we knew about Saquon. He kind of spilled the beans on that one during the bye week. But I don't think we knew about Julian Love until now. I'm not sure if they feel the same way about those guys. And, you know, Love's play in the second half kind of tailed off. Of course, he was known for that bad whiff on the uh, Devontae Smith fourth down play. But they got a good year overall. I think he's a very good depth player. But... You know, the Giants don't have, like, you know, a ton of resources, a.k.a. cap space, to spend on guys like that. So if Julian Love gets money elsewhere, then, you know, it is what it is. But I'd like to see him back if they can afford it. And for Saquon Barkley, it seemed like at the bye week when Joe Shane was doing his interviews and, and things like that, it seemed like he was 100% sold on wanting Saquon Barkley back. But... Saquon in the second half had some down games. He kind of looked a bit beat up and a bit worn down. And maybe Joe Shane changed his mind. I don't know. Like, just based on his reaction during this press conference, it seemed like Joe Shane was less uh, committal to a guy like uh, Saquon Barkley. So I don't know what to think now. He basically said, look, we have a price and... If the player doesn't want to go to that price or wants to go above that price, then we are not afraid to move on. That's pretty much what Joe Shane was saying. I'm sure he put it in a much more polite way, but he will not get played by a player. You know, he will not get played, Joe Shane. He will set his price, and if you are over that price, he's not going to take it. Like, I'm sure there will be some negotiating going on for Saquon, for Daniel Jones, for um, Julian Love, and whoever else they want to ne uh, negotiate with, but... I don't think the uh, I don't think Saquon's gonna come to the Giants and say, "Hey, I want fifteen million dollars per year," and you know Joe Shane will be like, "Okay," and just give it to him. Like that's not gonna happen. So, the reported offer by the Giants during the bye week was about twelve, twelve and a half million dollars per year, and according to what Joe Shane said, they weren't that close. So, it seems like based on what Saquon wants and what Joe Shane wants, they might be a bit further off than what we had anticipated during the bye week. So. You know, Saquon's going to be 26 next year. He's a running back who's had, you know, two or three injuries in his career. Of course, the major ACL injury. So did I say ACL, MCL? I said ACL, right? I don't know. But yeah, ACL tear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind if he walks. I completely get it. I'm not going to be butthurt about that one because we know that most second contracts for running backs, we know how that goes. I mean, McCaffrey has been banged up throughout most of his second contract. 
We know about Zeke. We know about Gurley. Um, you know, some some guys have worked out, of course. Like Derrick Henry hasn't been too bad, of course. But I would say majority of these uh, big second running back contracts, Le'Veon Bell, another one, um, they don't go too well. So I don't really care what happens with that. Just don't overpay. Like that's pretty much my takeaway. Whether it's Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley, I don't mind if they're back, obviously, but just don't overpay. Like, I know some fans want to give Daniel Jones four years, $120 million, and X amount of guaranteed money. Like, I don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want, like, the four-year commitment where Daniel Jones, if he sucks next year, is going to screw up our cap space for the next two or three years. I don't want that. Like, I would much more, I would prefer a Daniel Jones contract for, like, two years and $45 million, but, you know, according to some people, it's going to cost more than that. And... If it were me, I would just see what other teams give them that offer. And if they do make that offer, I would try to match it if I think it's appropriate. But, you know, I wouldn't just hand out Daniel Jones like four years, $120 million and say, all right, here you go. Blank check. I wouldn't do that. Like I would see what teams out there would want to give Daniel Jones that money. And if he gets it, he gets it. And the Giants, of course, they could have a chance to match it. I'm sure Daniel Jones wants to be a Giant next year. And I'm sure the Giants want to bring him back. I mean, at least I think so. So it just all depends on the price. They're not going to overpay. So that's pretty important. I think Shane, he sees the big picture. I tweeted that today. I do love hearing that. He recognized that there is a talent gap between the Giants and the Eagles. He does not look at the record of 9-7-1 and and winning a playoff game and go, all right, we're Super Bowl contenders. Like, no, Joe Shane knows the process that has to be done here. I think we know next year there could be some natural regression, the same way that Leonard Williams, his sack total regressed from 2020 to 2021. These things happen. The Giants won a lot of one-score games this year. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Giants are not as lucky next year in these one-score games, and maybe their record next year is 7-9-1 or some shit. I don't know. Like, you never know. It could be the complete opposite. So, um, the Giants had a lot of close wins this year. You can't expect to get over nine wins next year. It'd be nice, but you can't bank on it. I think Joe Shane recognizes where this team is at, and he saw that playoff game versus Philly and said, wow, we are not even close to those guys. And that's the right way to look at it, because the Giants, honestly, did not belong on the same field as them. Whether it was the playoff game or the game back in week 14 or whatever, when Philly won that game like 44-20-something, to 20 something, like or what was it, 44-21, 44-20, ugly game. So I think Joe Shane gets it. He understands where this team is at, understands the timeline. He gets all that stuff. I love hearing that. He kept mentioning cap health and having a walkaway number. So as I mentioned there, he's definitely going to set prices on these guys. And if they're asking for too much, then that's it. You know, if the Giants have to roll out next year with, uh, you know, a backup running back and some quarterback not named Daniel Jones, I think they'll do that. They would rather do that than overpay for guys. They don't want to screw up the cap space for the future. And I do think it's in the best interest for Daniel Jones to come back to the Giants because this was his most successful season. Brian Dable's system is very favorable for him. Like, just come back. Why not? I get it. You're a player. you got to get your money. But the Giants will give Daniel Jones a fine offer. It may not be exactly what he wants, but I'm assuming the Giants will give Daniel Jones at least a multi-year deal, two or three years, and somewhere like around $20 million per year. And if Jones thinks he's worth way more than that, then as I said, so be it. Then you might have to play elsewhere. I, don't, I really don't care at that point. So if I had to guess right now, my prediction would be that the Giants give Jones a contract extension, but not like a massive one. 
I would guess it's like three years and sixty-five, seventy million dollars. Like that would be my guess. Maybe I'm a bit under, but I don't know. Um, I don't see the four years one twenty. I don't see that happening, and maybe it happens. But and as for Saquon, I say he gets franchise tagged. I think that's very possible. Of course, Saquon may be disgruntled. They may have to trade him after, but. I think right now that might be the uh, direction they want to go in. And also, I don't see the Giants spending a lot of money this offseason. Uh, the Giants do have like 50, between 50 and 60 million dollars in cap space. Of course, like 10 million of that goes to the uh, draft class. You're going to have X amount go to Saquon and Daniel Jones. So the Giants won't have that much left over after all that. But I do think based on the comments today that they don't really want to spend a whole lot this offseason. They may add one pretty you know, big player, but I don't see the Giants having like a 2016 or 2020 type spending spree. That seems like a next off season or the off season after type thing. I don't see that being this off season. So I could be wrong, but I just don't think it makes sense right now. And I think Joe Shane's playing the long game here. So I don't see that being the case. He also mentioned he wants to improve everywhere. It's not just the Giants are a wide receiver one away. I mean, I know some fans have that mindset, but Joe Shane recognizes that this team has holes on a lot of places. Um, you can run down the list right now. Interior offensive line, uh, maybe a tight end upgrade, um, wide receivers in there, obviously, maybe a backup running back if Breda moves on or like retires or something. I don't know. Then you have defense, you know, cornerbacks. You have a bunch of linebackers you need, um, an extra pass rusher because, you know, guys don't stay healthy. So there's a lot of needs on this team. And I think Shane does recognize that. It's It's not just like, hey, we need a wide receiver and everything's solved. Like that's not going to be the case. So we'll see. It's going to be very fascinating what happens with these negotiations. Um, of course, I think the deadline to get a deal done before franchise tags have to happen is like March 7th. So if they don't get something done before then, maybe you will have to franchise Daniel Jones, which like, I wouldn't love that, but I would rather have a one-year commitment to that guy than have a multi-year commitment. So I guess it's not too bad, but it also is like $32 million of a cap hit, so that's the downside to it. But the one-year commitment part, it's also not too bad either. But I've been saying this since the Colts game. I think Jones probably deserves another year. I don't think he'll make like another massive jump next year, but like you may as well see what you have because the Giants, unless they trade up for a quarterback, don't really have many other options. Like, I don't know. You could run it next year with Tyrod or someone like that, but like you're not going to... It's not going to matter. You know what I mean? Like, unless Jones is asking for a stupid amount of money, like 40-something million dollars per year, um, there's no reason to get him off the team right now. Like, you may you may as well, if, if it's a reasonable contract for Jones, you should bring him back for next year at least or, you know, give him a two- or three-year deal, one where you can get out of it after a year if things go south. But um, there's no reason to roll next year with Tyrod if you don't need to. Like, I don't think we want to sit through that. We know Tyrod has an injury history too, so you know you don't want to go through that, obviously. But you know Joe Shane, he's not going to completely show his hand at this uh, podium today. There may be a guy that they end up loving in the draft, and they just don't tell us about it. And they might just say, "All right, you know Jones, you can go, and we'll trade up for our guy, and then that's it." Like you never know how it's going to go. But I would say the most likely scenario right now is that Jones is back on a two or three year deal. I'd lean more towards three. And I would say Saquon gets franchised. That's what I guess right now here on January 23rd. So we'll see what happens um, as the offseason goes on. But it's going to be fun. All right. So speaking of that, I will have a uh, free agency video at some point. I do want to see how the, you know it all plays out first with the franchise tags and things like that. I do want to make a Giants grades video for like the entire season. So grading every important player. So I'll get to that too. 
But yeah, so that's going to do it for this portion, but we'll listen to the Colin Cowherd clip now, and we'll react to that, and hopefully you guys enjoy that part. So um, let's say your kid's really struggling in school, and so you're like, okay, I'm going to get him the best tutor possible. He's failing. And the tutor gets the grade up to a C. A is not realistic. B is overly hopeful. So far, this sounds a lot like me in school. But the tutor, the tutor, you got the best tutor in town. Get your son to a C to a C plus. You feel pretty good. But let's be realistic. It's not getting you into the Ivy League. Okay? So I see all this optimism with Daniel Jones. He got the best tutor to save his career. His career was done. He was awful. All right, so it's a simple analogy so far. So Daniel Jones is the kid. Brian Dable's the the tutor here. I get what he's saying. Hey, listen, listen. Does Daniel Jones have this type of year without Brian Dable? You can argue no. I would not. I would not argue that. Like I think Brian Dable is a big reason for Daniel Jones's turnaround. But we'll see where this video goes. I mean, so far it's making some sense. And by the way, this was posted after the Vikings game, so this was like before the Eagles game even happened. Just an FYI. With with an elite left tackle, one of the game's best, with a star running back, one of the league's best, with a guy that's going to win offensive coach of the year, a brilliant offensive mind, Daniel Jones threw 15 touchdown passes and was behind Davis Mills and Taylor Heineke in passing yards per game. By the way, it's not a little thing to have a star running back, a brilliant offensive coach, and a great left tackle. They are missing a number one receiver. They got a bunch of twos and threes. They're okay, but they don't really have a guy, a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson. For the record, most teams don't. So this part's interesting. He talks about the 15 touchdown passes in this offense, like barely over 3,000 passing yards. He was saying like Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke had more. I mean, all right. But he said the Giants have some twos and threes at wide receiver. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins on a good day is maybe a two. Like maybe. That's very borderline. I think Colin's giving a bit too much credit to the wide receivers, though. I will be honest. Um, he did say he has a superstar running back, a, a star left tackle. I agree with that stuff, definitely. Um, has a great play caller in Brian Dable. Like, I, I agree with this for the most part. I do think sometimes it's overblown how bad the Daniel Jones situation is. I mean, you look at your franchise left tackle, you have a great running back who was carrying the offense the first half of the year. Um, it's not as bad as people make it out to be sometimes, but um, I think the, saying the Giants have a bunch of twos at wide receiver, you know, it's not really being completely honest. But Brian Dable saved a disaster of a career. He was flunking the class. So it's interesting what did Dayball do with Daniel Jones? He clearly doesn't think he's a dynamic passer. How do I know that? Because what he really did was clean up all of his god-awful mistakes and asked him to run more. If you think somebody's got a great arm, you let him throw 42 times. What he really did is, okay, you're making two mistakes a game. I'm going to cut out the mistakes. I'm going to raise your ceiling, and uh, I'm going to have you run 17 times against the Vikings. That was more than Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley ran like a little more than half that. So so this is where he kind of starts to lose me. I, I would love my quarterback to throw 40-something times a game, but I'll be honest, the Giants' record in, jo in, in games where Jones threw the ball a lot, it was not very good. The Giants, as I mentioned, they don't have great receivers. They're more of a running football team. Now, I agree with one part and disagree with one part. So he was giving Dable credit for limiting Jones's turnovers. 
I, sadly enough, give credit to Joe Judge and Jason Garrett for that. I mean, those are the ones that, those are the guys that really took the turnovers away from Daniel Jones. It got better. I mean, this was Daniel Jones's best year, you know, in terms of uh, lack of turnovers, but it was going down every year. I think Joe Judge and, and Jason Garrett put an emphasis on it. And of course, Brian Dable being the much better play caller, it just brought in both worlds together and it made Daniel Jones, you know, have the best year of his career. But the rushing part, Daniel Jones did have the most rushing yards in his career this year. It was like over 700. I think the most he's had before this was like maybe 400 something. I know he's never played a full season before and this time he did. So that helps. But he's right about that part. The rushing attack, you know, Daniel Jones using his legs more. That is true. But the whole like crediting Dable for taking away his turnovers. Honestly, I think that's part of the previous regime. In the end, when I see all this optimism for Daniel Jones, Let's not pretend they don't have anything. They have a, the best defensive coordinator, arguably, in the sport, the best new offensive mind in the sport in Brian Dable, an elite left tackle, a star running back, and a great front seven defensively. Did he say great front seven? Colin, I'll give you front four. I mean, it's it's good. I wouldn't say it's great. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is great. Kayvon's going to be great, but front seven? Our linebackers are the worst in football. I, I cannot even, like, relatively agree with that. I mean, you could say Dexter Lawrence on his own is great. Yeah, sure. But front seven? No, uh, that's definitely not true. Like, he doesn't have to win shootouts. And with that, they had nine close wins and one blowout win. So the margin for the Giants, and I, and I think you would admit, if they got a number one receiver, next year most Giant fans would really be like, that's the missing piece. They're not a team without – they need another corner. They need a star receiver. I'd like to see him go get, like, a top center in the free agent market. But this idea is Brian Dable saved a bust. This was a bust career. Okay, that was that was a good argument. The close wins. The Giants had nine wins this year. Eight of those wins, the defense held the opponent under 20 points. I agree with that. And the, uh, the other win they got, they held the Packers to 22 points. So Daniel Jones and any of his wins never had to score more than 22 points. I mean, that helps a lot. But um, the other point I also agree with because Joe Shane said the exact same thing today. So maybe Joe Shane was stealing some, some Colin Cowherd content. I don't know. But um, Joe Shane basically said that this team is more than a wide receiver one away from being complete. And... You know, I, I think some fans, as I mentioned before on my own, I said this earlier in the video, like some people think we're a wide receiver one away, and that's not necessarily true. It'll help, but they still need all the positions that Colin listed, you know, center, right guard, left guard, linebackers, uh, another corner, wide receivers, as I said, maybe a backup running back, I mean, tight end. You know, there's so many needs for this team. It's not just, hey, let's get a wide receiver one and our problems are fixed and we're in the uh, category with the 49ers and the Eagles and even the Cowboys, like, no, like you need more than just that. So that part with Colin, I do agree on. And I, and I think Daniel Jones, uh, I mean, in, in fact, if you really go, I went and looked at the numbers this morning. It's not like he's consistently good against bad defenses. He was good twice against the Vikings, but once against the Lions, he wasn't very good. He wasn't very good against Seattle's defense. So he's not even at the point that he's consistently excellent against bad defenses. He was really solid against the Vikings twice and once against the Lions. So can you be optimistic? Yes. But we do know something to be true. 
Every year, seven teams that make the playoffs don't. Two of the teams I would cancel next year, who won the most close games? Giants and Vikings. History tells you, you don't win nine close games next year. I would put the Lions in, the Steelers in. There are teams I would, I think if Denver can get like a Sean Payton, I'd put them in. I didn't make the same exact point earlier, so I do obviously agree with that. <laughs> like you guys know, I said, like, well, if you know, what if the ball bounced another way and the Giants went seven, nine, and one? Like, you know, that was definitely possible. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Colin pretty much said the same thing I said before in this video. And it's true. I mean, like, that's how it is, though, in the NFL. I mean, like, some teams are so dominant that they get, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 wins. But even the Vikings, the Vikings had like 13 wins. And they were all by like seven points or less. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, you don't see that many teams do that. So the Giants are going to have people pick against them next year. That's just how it is. People are going to see all the close wins they had and think that regression's coming, and that's up to Brian Dable and the players to, you know, get around that and prove those people wrong, because the Giants, by some accounts, they will be expected to regress next year, and teams like, you know, the Lions, as he mentioned, and maybe the Packers are better next year, assuming, you know, whatever happens with them, I don't know, Jordan Love or Rodgers, whatever, but, you know, teams like that may get better, the Rams should get better, there will be teams next year that do get better, what if the uh, Commanders get a quarterback, you know, like, they'll be better too, so you have to expect possible regression, but the Giants, of course, it's going to be up to them, they're going to see how many of these close games they can close out next year, if the Giants go from, like, let's say they were, I don't know, eight and two in close games this year, but they fall to, you know, four and six in close games next year. That's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So that can change your entire season right there. So that's another point that I agree on. But you know, when I hear all this, this optimism, it's like you do realize at this point, Brian Dable, the tutor, saved failing a class and got him to a C to a C minus. That's what we've got here. There's no way. Nobody thinks he's Mahomes. You're not going to ace the class. He's not going Ivy League here. That's not what we're talking about. He saved a dead career. And the save with a great coach, very good defense, star left tackle, star running back, was 15 touchdown passes. If you take the Viking games out, just the two Viking games, the worst defense I saw all year in the league, he threw for under 3,000 yards and 14 touchdown passes. This was a save, a kick save and a butte, as they say. The A is off the board. The B to B plus is off the board. The student's not getting that. We're, we're praying to a B minus right now. We're a C. We're not even a C plus. J-Mac with a news. But, you know, when you, when you haven't been good for a decade, I understand fan bases, you feel like, okay, we got it. They didn't pick up his option, right? The, gi the Giants. So, you know, in the end, they didn't pick up that fifth-year option. Yeah. They're probably going to have to swallow hard for a year of the franchise, tag it, do whatever you got to do. But when you have, remember when Cleveland was pathetic forever and Baker gets them into the playoffs and the following year, they're awful. The reality is, and, and Cleveland fans were convinced this was the beginning of the, no, 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 that's the Steelers. That's the Ravens. The truth, or it's Burrow and the Bengals. You're not going to win in this league with just a great coach. You, you, to get to the highest, mostly look who's left. There's one quarterback we don't know much about, Brock Purdy, and that's with a brilliant coach and literally a pro bowler in every single unit, both sides of the ball. These Giants fans are a little unreasonable about Jones. They all want to keep him. I'm just going to remind Giants fans. So they bring up a point here about like maybe Giants fans do overrate Daniel Jones and they're scared to move off of him. And that, that could be true. Both parts can definitely be true. I think some people 
are so afraid of possibly going back to losing like we have the past five years that they don't want to move off Daniel Jones. And in some cases, is that settling for mediocrity? Or do you think Daniel Jones has a chance to win you a Super Bowl? Because if you're bringing Daniel Jones back, if you want Daniel Jones back as a fan for the sole reason of getting seven to ten wins a year and then getting bounced in the playoffs in the first two rounds... I would say you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but if you're a person that really believes Daniel Jones can bring you to a Super Bowl, which is a question that Joe Shane was asked today and kind of stuttered about it, but if you think that he can bring you to a Super Bowl and win the damn thing, then I see your argument for wanting to extend Daniel Jones and go on with him. But if your argument is, well, Daniel Jones gives us a solid floor of seven wins, like, I don't care. I don't want seven, eight wins. I, even like nine wins. I mean, yeah, we had nine wins this year. It was it was fun because we've sucked the past five years, been the worst team in football. But I always want championships. You guys know that. I want a team that can fight for championships year in and year out, just like the Bengals have set up and just like the Chiefs have set up and mostly the Bills and, you know, teams like that. Philly's going to have that for a while. Um, these teams have in the 49ers, like the 49ers have no quarterback. Basically they have some guy, some dude, and he's filling in right now because they have this amazing roster and it's working out perfectly. They have spectacular coaching, but the difference between the Niners and the giants is that the Niners have done their rebuild since about 2016. The giants with Joe Shane, this is his second off season. They're, they're far away from what the Niners have. Of course, Joe Shane, he could make that happen. It's not impossible, but to have a roster as good as the Niners, it's very hard to do. As they said, they have all pros in almost every position. It's very tough to replicate what they did. So my concern is like if they keep Jones, it may be settling for mediocrity. But on the other side, to be fair, as I said, right now, I don't know what other options the Giants have. You can go Derek Carr, but Derek Carr, in my opinion, is above average. Like, I don't think Daniel Jones is much worse than Derek Carr. I'm being honest. I don't think he's that much worse. He could be better for all I know. But I don't think I'd make that move. I, there's just nothing out there that makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, I would take Lamar Jackson in a vacuum, but that is a insane amount of money. It's going to cost draft picks, and I just don't think the Giants would go that uh, route. So Daniel Jones just makes the most sense right now. Now, if the Giants do have a year next year where they regress and do end up having the six or seven wins, then you package picks, you move up, you get a guy next year's draft, 2024, and that's it. The argument's over. But for right now, at least, I just hope they are bringing back Daniel Jones for the right reasons. I don't want to bring him back just because he has a good floor and John Mara is afraid of having another losing season. That should not be the mindset. The mindset should be build for sustained success and build for multiple Super Bowl runs. And I think Joe Shane knows that. I think Brian Dable knows it. I'm afraid that our owner doesn't know that, but I think Joe Shane hopefully does have the final say now. Odell Beckham. Everybody loved him. He was the biggest deal in New York. I was like, this guy's starting to wobble. I don't know. I, I said trade him, and that's when Odell blocked me on social media. Yeah. The Giants waited, held too long. Got, remember they got like a guard for Odell Beckham and then like some other small things? Like, you want to hold on to Daniel Jones and pay him? Just be careful. And let's continue here with the Giants, Colin, coming off their first playoff win since Super Bowl 46. Brian Dable deserves a ton of credit, obviously, as you've said. But he'll have his hands full with Jalen Hurts Saturday on Fox in the divisional round. Here's what Dable had to say about getting his team ready. Mediocre defenses. So I think he's going to be a little bit over his skis. I looked it up. Pro football focus and football outsiders. They grade these quarterbacks. Both of them 
in about five different metrics have Jones anywhere from 15th to 20th best quarterback in the league. Feels about accurate, right? He's like average-ish. Maybe oh, I a would little... put him closer to 20. Yeah. For me. Yeah, right. like 18 I, I think most, pe- most sane yeah. people outside of... Uh... For some reason, the cutoff right there. But yeah, I agree with that part. I, I still think he's somewhere from 15 to 20. I think it's very fair to say that. Well, I can run through the list after this. But yeah, there was a dumb part in there. Oh, they said that the... Um... The Odell trade, I mean, the Giants won that trade. Uh, As much as as I would hate to admit that because I loved Odell, um, the Giants won that trade. They got Dexter Lawrence out of it. (laughs) They got an all-pro defensive tackle um, because of that trade. So even Kevin Zeitler was fine. All right, so you know what? For the hell of it, we're 30 minutes in. Why the hell not? So let's name 15 quarterbacks I would take right now over Daniel Jones. Now, I don't know if I want to include age and things like that. Uh, I guess we'll throw the age out because like it's just best quarterbacks remaining. Screw it. All right. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Dak is close. Dak, after, especially after yesterday. My God. I, I think uh, it's close. I think I would take Dak, but I don't love it. I don't love it at all, but I guess that's too... Uh, AFC East, I will take Josh Allen. I still think, you know, Tua has too many health problems. I mean, Tua had better numbers this year, but I'll pass on that. I think it evens out. So we'll take either Tua or we'll take either Dak. So we'll take one of those guys, make it three. I would still take Aaron Rodgers, assuming he's still playing. Jared Goff versus Daniel Jones. I'm taking, shoot, man, that's close. That's another close one. Goff's played well. He's been playing very well this year. Uh, I'll skip him for now. Kirk Cousins, five, six, Lamar Jackson. I think Watson gets back to close to what he was. I'll take the Sean Watson, seven. Joe Burrow, obviously, eight. The uh, Tom Brady, I mean, I... I uh, I like Brady still. I don't think he's completely washed, assuming he still wants to play, but I'll, I'll pass on that for now. Then you have Tannehill. I feel like healthy Tannehill is still better. I'll take that's 9. Trevor Lawrence. Healthy Stafford, I'm still taking. That's 11. Healthy Kyler. It's a close one. I think Kyler has proven way more over a longer stretch of time, so I think healthy Kyler would give you 12. Then we have Herbert, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, oh my god, don't want to put Russell Wilson. I don't think Russell Wilson could be this bad going forward. I I just, I don't know. Russell Wilson's close, though. And then Derek Carr. So, like, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, I'll, I'll make them equal one. So, like, we're around, like, 15 right now. And I'm kind of on the edge with guys like Jared Goff and, and, uh, and, and Tua and, you know, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. I don't know what to think about those guys. I, I think he's somewhere in that area. Like, I think right now Daniel Jones is somewhere in the deck, Tua and Derek Carr area. I don't even want to include Russell Wilson because I don't know what he is. I, I kind of want to throw that year away for Russell Wilson and see what he is next year. But um, he's in like the Goff to a Dak Carr area, which, hey, like you can win with that. But as I said, you're going to need a better team around him. And I've said that since the day Jones was drafted. I, I compared Jones to Kansas City's Alex Smith, who was a pretty decent quarterback. So that's not like a bad comparison. I think people people hated that comparison, but like it's not the worst comparison in the world. Um, KC, of course, had Andy Reid, so great coaching. They had pretty good rosters around Alex Smith, and they were a consistent playoff team for like, you know, four out of five years he was there. And, you know, the Giants can be that way if they build the right team around Jones. But again, it comes down to the timeline. Like, how long will it take the Giants to build a great roster? might take two more years and that's the problem here so and that's another part about this whole thing like people will say that they totally believe in daniel jones and blah 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 
But they also are like, well, I don't want to give him more than X amount of dollars. Like, no, if you think he's the guy, then you give him what you, you know, give him a big ass contract. <laughs> like, People will say, oh, I love Daniel Jones. I think he's the future, but I don't want to give him more than $30 million per year. It's like, that's, that's kind of like a contradiction in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think you're trying to be smart financially. But if you think Daniel Jones is as good as you say he is, then you would have no problem giving him $40 million per year. Uh, that's what it sounds like to me. So final thoughts, I'm fine with a three-year deal or a two-year deal that you can get out of after one year if it goes south. Um, I would like to pay him no more than $25 million per year. I definitely prefer 20, but we'll see what happens. It's it's going to be a very interesting offseason. I'm sure rumors will come out and we'll find out what happens with Saquon and Julian Love and whoever else they have up for free agency right now. So we're going to find out. It's going to be a pretty fun two months here, but I hope you guys enjoyed the video. It was a longer one, but I hope you guys enjoyed it, and I will talk to you guys next time.